I remember vividly a, a, a while, a uh, number of years ago, um, Susan and I and Emily were on holiday, and uh, it was 10 o'clock at night, lovely summer's evening, and there was a, a, a beautiful sunset happening as we looked out over the Atlantic Ocean. And the Atlantic Ocean that night was just, it was, it was really rough. The waves were crashing in, and uh, you know, out the water you could just see it like sort of bubbling and boiling. And the, uh, the sun was coming down like an enormous red ball descending in. And because it, it seemed so close and so large, and also because the sea was so rough, it actually looked that as the sun was going into the water, the water was actually starting to sort of boil and bubble. And um, after that, Emily and I just ran into the waves. We did come back uh, after a while. And uh, it's lovely to have moments like that, precious moments, and life should be full of lots of precious moments. I wonder if for the man whom Jesus describes in his parable that... Um, I wonder how many precious moments he had. Uh, there's a man in the crowd who uh, shouted out to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, according to Jewish law, the elder brother got two-thirds of the inheritance and the younger brother would get one-third of the inheritance. In uh, Deuteronomy 21:17, it describes how things should be divided up. So we don't know whether this man was due a certain amount of inheritance and it wasn't coming to him. And he was asking Jesus to step in uh, by calling him rabbi and asking him to mete out some sort of justice to arbitrate in these matters. And that's what rabbis tend to do. They arbitrated in matters to do with civic or religious law. Or whether there was greed in this man's heart now, very humbly, Jesus, who wasn't an ordained rabbi, refused to get involved. He didn't see it as his position. But straight away, whether he detects in the man or the man's brother or just generally greed, he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's possession... A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then as so often was the case, he told a story. He tells this parable about this rich man. And he says, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Notice how Jesus phrases the story, every word carefully chosen. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He doesn't give the... He doesn't give the credit to the man himself. He says, what has produced this crop is the ground. It's God who's given the soil. It's God who's given the sunshine. It's God who's given the rain. It is God's good ground that has produced this crop, not the man himself. And God, who's a wonderful creator God, gives indiscriminately. And so God chooses to give this good crop to a man who's already rich. So far, so good. But then the brilliant yet flawed human mind spins and whirls into action. And what happens is, at that point, the man moves straight from the place of receiving abundant blessing to worry. I think we can all relate to this that 
something good comes to us, be it a a bumper hamper or a big box of chocolates or a, a windfall or a pay, pay rise or a, um, an inheritance, something, something really good comes to us. And instead of in that moment thanking God for the goodness of receipt of that good gift, we move straight to the place of worry. And so the man in the story shows what we as human beings so often do. What am I going to do with all this crop? Where am I going to store it? I don't have a place to store all this stuff. And he moves straight from the place of receiving to the place of worry. What he doesn't do, he doesn't stop to say thank you to God. He doesn't stop to say, God, thank you for this fantastic harvest. Thank you for, for the sun and the rain, and for the soil, for the workers who have done all the hard work to produce and to bring in this bumper harvest. God, you're so good to me. I have so much more that I need. He doesn't stop for a moment to say thank you. The second thing he doesn't do is he doesn't consult with anybody. He doesn't ask God, for instance, what do I do with all this stuff? I have far much more than I need. I was already rich before this crop came in, and now I've got so much stuff, I don't know what to do with it. He doesn't consult with God. He doesn't pray. He doesn't say, God, what do you want me to do with all this? He moves straight to the place of worry. And I think quite often we do that. It's like, it's like picking up the chance card on a Monopoly board and flicking it over and those dreaded words that say, go straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 pounds. And so often in life, we move straight from the place of blessing to the place of the jail of worry. And we don't say thanks to God. And we don't even ask him what we should do. Max Lucado, the Christian author, talks about a time when he was going for a, a coffee when he was in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. And as he was walking along, he felt a, a, a tap on his hand. He looked around, couldn't see anybody. Walked along a bit further and he felt another tap, tap in his hand. This time he looked down and there beside him was a little uh, Brazilian street orphan with grubby cheeks and cool black hair. And the little boy said, Pau... Uh, senor, I'm trying to remember my Brazilian here, and, uh, which means bread, sir. And uh, so he brought him into the coffee shop, ordered a coffee, and he said, and something from a little friend here. And uh, the boy got his food and went off. And a few minutes later, as Max was drinking his coffee, he looked up and was surprised to see the little boy standing in the door of the coffee shop. And whenever he saw Max looking over at him, he, the wee boy scurried over to him and just went up and said, Obrigado, thank you. And he stayed for a while longer. Apparently, he scratched the back of his leg with his toe and he said, Mucho obrigado. Thank you very much. And with that, he scurried off. And it really moved Max that this boy had come back. He had so little. And he came back to say, Thank you. Thank you very much. And it occurred, that, it occurred to him that how much more, if, if, if that moved him, when that little boy came back to say thank you, how much more would it move the heart of God the Father 
whenever we say thank you, when we really say thank you to him for saving our very souls, for saving our very lives. Surely, said Max, that must really move the heart of God whenever we do that. You see, on the Monopoly board, we can also pick up another card, either from chance or community chest, that says those wonderful words, get out of jail free. And the fact is, all of us have that card. Because a Monopoly, you can, you can keep it, can't you? You can keep it for the moment that you need it. And all of us have it. But the reality is, often we don't play the card. We move straight from the place of receiving good things to the place of worry. And then, because the man's now moved down the wrong path, Initially, and this is the way worry often works, initially it looks like a perfectly good practical question. He's received a good crop. He asks a practical question. Where am I going to store all this stuff? What am I going to do with all this stuff? But it's the omission that is the problem. God isn't mentioned. There is no thanksgiving. There is no praise. There is no prayerful dialogue with God as to what this man should do. And that's where the problem lies. And so he heads a little bit down the wrong road. And then everything he does after that is based on that initial step down the wrong road. And so he starts to plan, not with a heart of thanksgiving, not having consulted God, but he asks questions of himself, and he starts to plan on the basis of worry. So notice in verses 18 and 19 that the word I and the word me, how often they occur. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store up all my grain and all my goods, and I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. The mistakes he makes in that are, first of all, he makes some wrong assumptions that next year is going to bring just as good a bumper harvest as this year. He assumes that next year, when the harvest comes, he'll be alive. And also he consults again with nobody. This parable is very, very unusual because there's only one human being in the parable. This man seems to be utterly alone. He is a loner. He talks to nobody. He listens to nobody. He consults nobody. Do not think that before you build a barn, You might talk to your wife or fellow workers or your brother or your father or your friends that you may consult with somebody in the matter. The thing that really rings out, again, the thing which is the the thing that's missing, the thing that Jesus wants us to notice because it's not there, is that this man relies on nobody, befriends nobody, consults nobody, thanks nobody. This man is a loner. For this man, possessions are all important. People are not. So he says to himself, you have plenty of good things laid up. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. 
But even in saying that, he is gravely mistaken. Because the reality is, he will never actually do that. Because he's gone down a road that can never lead to that. Whoever eats, drinks, and be, be, bees merry. <laughs> who, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> who, who does those things by themselves? Have you ever seen someone eat, drink, and be merry by themselves? This man will never eat and drink and be merry. And the reality is he will worry. He will worry about, will the crop next year be big or small? Was there a waste of time building the big barn? Will the barn not even be big enough next year to house the stuff? Will there be rot? Will there be drought? Will there be too much rain? Will my workers not work hard enough? He's gone already down the path of worry, and the path of worry never leads to joy. And then someone else steps in to the parable finally. And the other character in this parable is God himself. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It was the early theologian Tertullian who said, nothing of God's can be obtained with money. We often have a phrase used that is similar. The best things in life are free. We should also add, and from God. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says that whoever loves money never has money enough. All of us know where a place of thanklessness and worry leads to. All of us have been down that road that ends up as a cul-de-sac. The question for us as we, as we examine the life of Jesus and we hear this parable, the question for us is, do we believe Jesus? Do we believe what Jesus teaches? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is speaking to us the very words of God who created us and knows how we are to live, of what we are made, and how we get to a place of joy. Do we believe the words of Jesus? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A man or woman's life actually consists in the abundance of love. Love that is received from the Father and love that is shared with other people. We often use three-letter abbreviations or we see those three-word summaries on billboards sometimes and quite often they look something like this. Eat, shop, live. Eat, shop, will never make it to live. Jesus says instead, Thank, share, enjoy. If you and I want to enjoy all the good things that we have been given, 
all the good things, God willing, that we will be given, because all the riches of heaven are ours. The place for us to start is with thank. It's to thank God for all that he's given to us. And the second thing is, is to share. And this passage, Jesus says, particularly share with the poor. Share with people who do not have. There's Francis Bacon who said that money is like muck. No good except it be spread. And that is the road to enjoy. That if you and I want to be released from worry and enter into a place of wide open spaces and joy in our lives, then there is only one way, and that is following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. It's why it's so important to come together today to give thanks to God together and to share the love that he has poured into our hearts with one another. Because the most precious aspects of our lives are our relationships. Our relationship with the Father and our relationships with one another. They are the most precious things in our lives. Jesus said, a man's life, a woman's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. A man or woman's life consists in the abundance of love. Thank, share, enjoy.